Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Movement Talks. Thanks for listening. And uh, today I have the pleasure to be here with uh, Isabel Lewis. Hi, Isabel. Hello. Hi. Uh, so as, as every interview, I start always like by asking uh, the interviewee to introduce um, himself or herself. Would you mind giving us a bit uh, an introduction about uh, who you are, where you come from? Uh, and uh, yes. Sure, happily. Uh, so yes, I'm Isabel Lewis. I am born in the Dominican Republic and raised in Florida and New York City um, before relocating to Berlin about 10 years ago. Um, I am coming from a history with a background in classical ballet, uh, which then led me towards the need for other kinds of movement and into modern dance, contemporary dance, experimental theater, contact improvisation, um, and beyond into experimental modes of performance that include the voice and music. Um, and that path has led me to create a larger scale works with many kinds of collaborators, also coming from different fields to create um, immersive environments that address all of the senses and that bring uh, the public into alternative formats for experiencing performance. That's great. Thank you very much. You said already a lot. Um, so, I mean, my first question is like related to dance and movement. Was it, what is it for you, dance and movement or movement? Mm -hmm. It's, um, I mean, for me, it's life. I mean, it's, it's literally, there is nothing that is not movement. And that's at once what's inspiring and also overwhelming about this notion. Uh, for me, uh, you know, dance was something I understood initially as like a child growing up in a Dominican household, you know, you dance immediately and dance as it's related to music and music and dance as one thing. And as a, as a social ritual of dance is I think my first understanding of dance. And then that kind of transformed once I start, started um, classical ballet into thinking about dance as some kind of like codified technique um, that was could only be accessed through you know intense study and dedication and devotion and so my relation to movement and dance continued to shift and grow and change and continues to to today I think I, I find myself more interested in dance and movement as it does relate to like the movement of the universe like the, and the way that humans understand themselves in relation to the universe and in relation to their human and non-human societies. So this is more my understanding now of, of dance as a more um, universal and social thing um, rather than as a codified uh, technical thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, because it's, I think, I think I agree with this and I find it very movement in itself, very important also uh, for our daily life. Now also we approach uh, the other human beings and it's fundamental. And my question for you now is like, do you think that technology or new media can replace this ritual as social bond that characterizes movement? Mm, that's a very good question. I, I think it cannot replace it per se. I think it, it does, I wouldn't exclude it from like a way of thinking about 
a movement, you know, movement as mediated through technology, which for me, technology always actually leads us back to the body. This is something I kind of learned from, from Donna Haraway and her book, uh, Simeon's Cyborgs and Women, yeah. where she talks about um, technology as, as actually extending out really from the humans, that humans have always, we've always been designing ourselves in relation to our world and mediating the world with the technology that we create. So that somehow is part of the human story. And therefore I wouldn't exclude it from um, this idea of movement, but I will say that it's also, let's say, digitally or technologically mediated movement, I would say, is is somehow its own thing. And it's certainly not a replacement for um, all of the kind of nuance and subtlety of quality that happens in, in the live, real-life experience of movement. Yeah. That's super interesting. I mean, I think it's also very important to know how, I mean, I think the difficult part maybe it's also like to know how to balance the two things or like just, um, or maybe how to be conscious. Do you think it's possible to be conscious? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously we're, we're living in a time and in a moment um, where we're relying on um, these technologically mediated forms of connection. And uh, whilst I, I really think that they're, I value them as such and honor them as such, I, it also reminds me of um, the things that I miss. You know, it reminds me that I miss what you might smell like. You know, what does your t-shirt smell like, what, you, what you're wearing? And, you know, what what is the energetic quality in your body right now as you're speaking to me? You know, there's all of this stuff which is, that which kind of exceeds the bounds. Um, so yeah. I do think it's sort of like um, practice where we can, right? But also, you know, I, I wouldn't also close myself off at all to to interacting through this medium of technology because it also does bring me into contact in an important way. Um, I I mean because you you spoke about it already a bit, but I mean, in these last years, you crafted uh, your own personal kind of performance. Could you go a bit more in detail and describe a bit uh, how it, uh, what it is? Yeah, sure. I can try, try my best. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one important thing that maybe prefaces this story is that it, it was, I needed another way of understanding the kind of performance audience relationship that I had been kind of educated into, right, through concert dance or through this idea of concert dance, which, um, you know, maybe, ha maybe has contemporary expression, but the format is still, you know, a stage where the dancers are operating and the, the audience space where everybody is in a kind of frontal situation, uh, stably sitting in one place. And um, I think I found like sort of for myself, a certain kind of limit in the possibility of composition inside of that. And I was, I was needing some other way to understand this relationship. And that way of understanding that I started to develop was starting to see myself as a host rather than as like a performer or something. So seeing, seeing myself as the host and seeing my public as the guests of a situation. And this kind of shift in my 
thinking, I think, helped me to also like embody something differently inside of the space of performance. Suddenly, it was not such a hardcore division between, you know, performer versus audience, which always also had this almost like uh, adversarial kind of quality to it. It helped me to feel that I could be more connected to yeah my public and I, I got I started to get very interested in things like stand-up comedy as a as a format you know not in not in terms of being specifically interested in jokes or joke making or humor per se because I think that's an amazing craft of its own but I was really thinking yeah. about I was really intrigued by the way that you have like this single figure basically and the public and how they're really directly relating to one another. And there's this kind of response, this potential of really live response. So even if the comedian is, is you know, ha has their material prepared, they rely on this kind of live feedback from the public. And this I found like really, really fascinating as a potential for um, how to think about composition and how to, how to create compositions that could leave space and room for the interaction of a public. Um, and this kind of inquiry and experimentation leads me to what I end up hosted occasions. And, um, you know, I, I kind of started using this word occasions because I, I felt I needed a way to understand what it is that I was doing because I was a bit confused for myself. Like, is this still dance? Is this still choreography? Is it now theater? Yeah. Is it music? You know, I was pulling together all of these different aspects of my practice and weaving them together. And I felt that occasion best described it because it reminded me of a social occasion, right? Or like, you know, a dinner party, um, something like that, where there's a sense of composition, a care for the entire situation. If I'm yeah. host an occasion at my home, then I'm, I'm, you know, selecting which plates, I'm selecting which dishes, I'm setting the table, I'm maybe making a flower arrangement, I'm deciding the music. So, you know, I'm making all of these compositional choices on the experience. And nonetheless, the experience opens itself into something which is not totally scripted, you know, that the public, the guests, you know, interact and, and create that situation. So the, I would say the hosted occasions take on that element of being a kind of social space which is definitely designed you know I, I take I put a lot of care into kind of designing that environment you know which kind of sound yeah. you know to the extent of like which kind of smell which kind of taste which kind of um, seating elements and haptic elements are in the space and then I unfold a performance that has elements of focus, you know, where I am pulled as the performer in the room, whether through storytelling. And, and there's other moments where yeah. the focus can be more relaxed, like where people kind of have the space to actually socialize with one another, to drink, to relax, to zone out and rest. Um, and that's usually through like moments where I'm um, mixing and producing music. Yeah. Uh, this part of the show um, so it has these kind of different modalities of attention and I think this was something I was also really interested in you know like typically in a theatrical performance you know your, your goal is to really hold the public's focus for you know the entirety of that evening length piece um, I wanted to find a way to to deal with time differently you know that maybe they the, maybe the occasions extend you know, for a few hours in a sense that people could come and go, come in and out of attention and have different modes of attention throughout the experience. Yeah. And also it seems very much that, I mean, it leaves spaces to all the senses in like in a 360 degrees level, you know, like, I mean, I mean, you talk about the performance, the normal traditional way of 
performance in which basically I mean you use mainly the the, the earring and the, and the sights, uh, but uh, it gives gives you also the possibility of also as you said like involving like other other elements like uh, the smell, the taste, um, which are not which is not something typical that you can eventually experience in a traditional way of uh, performance. Um, and so concerning this, when you, I mean, you approach your performance and you choose your performance, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's a bit the process that you're going through with them uh, to mm. achieve uh, this final uh, result? Mm -hmm. um, it's very much about getting to know uh, the space and the site. I think you know, during all my years of making works inside of a theater, there was about 10 years of doing that before I really started experimenting with performance outside of that context. And uh, for me, you know, even I've recently made a work that returns to the theater for the first time in 10 years. And I realized that that is also a site, you know, it was almost like I needed to, I needed to leave the theater in order to change my own thinking. But, you yeah. know, you could always, any space is a site with a specific history, with specific materials, with, you know, specific kinds of um, qualities, like acoustically, materially, you know. And so I think that um, this approach that I created was, was very much about getting, attuning oneself, one's senses and one's body and imagination to your actual space, you know, so not this kind of, void or fictional or sort of neutral idea of space that sometimes um, is a kind of a given inside of a lot of performance. It's rather like, no, we're, we're, it's really this time and this place. Um, so a lot of the process with my performers is, is very much like, how do we start to create bonds, you know, with the actual site that we're in? How do we activate our bodies? Um, the way we use our eyes, the way we the way we move in space, how we position ourselves in space, you know, rather than always taking like the center of the room as would be the the maybe the habit out of kind of positioning performance as something to be focused on. It's okay, let's do some exercises where we really are exploring the peripheries of the room and the the unexpected areas of the architecture, um, the stairwells, the in between spaces, and so it's a lot about getting to know the space yeah. and then it's it's also about um kind of finding um certain qualities in the body that i would say resonate with the the materials in that space and then there's of course the part which is like how you start to train um this relation to the visitors who instead of being you know in one place where you know that they always are and where you know where their viewpoint is you know how do you start to um train uh, your body and your way of working with your body to imagine, you know, the, the focus of the visitor moving, potentially moving around you, um, coming from behind you, coming from underneath you. So, so really it's like a whole nother way of, um, it's a much more, let's say, 360 way of trying to like uh, bring an awareness and activation to your body with this kind of like awareness of being seen or, or uh, the, the reception of your image being perceived from a shifting um, point of view. Um, and then there's, of yeah. course, that, that part, which is about like the interaction, which is, you know, something very hard to train without an actual public. So these are usually the things that performers learn instantly, like while the show is actually happening.
So we have certain scores or techniques which would have to do with, you know, approaching or, or proximity and distance in relation to a visitor's location in space. Um, and this is the kind of thing where you have your certain sort of strategies and techniques, but then you're actually really learning it as it's happening. Yeah. And it also like gives a totally different experience every time, I guess, uh, for the performers, uh, because it depends also very much on what kind of audio. I mean, in general, maybe every performance is a bit like this, but this, what you're proposing is very much like uh, gives you a bit of the feeling that like you don't know what it will happen. So you have as a performer to be ready, but as well like to be curious to see what kind of audience and now um, in this specific time, uh, the relationship between the performers and the audience will be. Yes. So it's uh, very challenging, I guess, also for the performers. Yes, it is. It is because it, it what it requires, you know, as you were speaking, I was realizing that, yeah, what it also requires is very much the compositional instincts of the performer, you know, and this is the type yeah. of thing that we try to um, also train. So rather than, you know, me as the director saying, okay, you do this, this, and that, it's like, it's more like, okay, I can, I can give you these different kind of scores, these different things that we're exploring sort of like physically or in terms of text or in terms of um, singing or something. Then this whole relation with the visitor, okay, we can practice these different ways of using the eyes. Like how do you, address someone without even looking at them? How do you address them um, with direct eye contact? How do you do it without direct eye contact in a softer, less confrontational way? You know, so we can practice all of these kind of various techniques and we build up a kind of um, lexicon in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but then it requires that really the, the, the performer to get in touch with, you know, their intuition and their way of feeling the situation or reading the, the visitor in order to kind of sculpt um, a specific moment. So really, aside from this kind of, um, you know, sort of executing the choreography, it also requires this sense of uh, curiosity, as you were saying, and also composition. So you're also yeah. in a directorial mode in your own uh, kind of mind and body whilst you're performing. And how do you then, how do you choose your performers or uh, because I mean, or is it easy? I mean, well, maybe these are two questions, but like, uh, uh, is it difficult for the performers of nowadays to get into this kind of uh, um, like situation and abandon, let's say, the, the concept of uh, theatrical dance? Uh, uh, that maybe they are used to or and then how do you choose your performers yeah good question i mean it's very situation specific so in every every place where i have maybe an invitation um i try to you know work with that place in that situation so a lot of times i'm actually casting locally you know i'm trying to in every new place trying to um, you know, deal with the space in the site-specific way, which I feel also includes, you know, tapping into um, local communities. And sometimes then I'm looking for yeah. uh, professional dancers and performers, and sometimes certain works are more open to, you know, different kinds of practitioners who maybe have a body. It's always very important to have, like, a regular body practice, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be coming from, like, a Tr dance training uh, place or a theatrical training place. So uh, sometimes the open call, I use a, a, a strategy or a, 
of you know doing an open call and receiving applications and um, assessing you know people's like like who kind of fits and like interviews doing interviews and figuring out you know who also has this interest and the curiosity because sometimes it's not a specific kind of technique I'm looking for in the body but rather um, a playful approach and a certain kind of spirit that's like ready for this kind of uh, level of um, improvisation and open-endedness, even if there's still like a clear, let's say there's certain parameters which are clear, but, you know, someone has to be really interested in that and, and a bit like a playful kind of spirit. Um, and in terms of working with, you know, trained um, like professional dancers, I would say, yes, there's always, it's always a process really to undo um, certain habits that, yeah. that learn um, in terms of um, this kind of whole idea of, you know, in theater, you have to really like project out into space and um, you kind of send your gaze often into this like far off unknown, you know, to try to kind of like reach the whole house, you know, but that this is almost like a uh, become so embodied as a habit that it's very hard to undo it. And of course, if you're in any, if you're in a different kind of space, let's say you're outdoors or if you're in a, a museum space, it's just, you you and the visitors are moving you might have moments where they're very far away but you might have also very proximal moments where it's important to to work inside of that sense of proximity not always projecting yourself further you know and then you can really work on subtle yeah. micro movements sometimes and really micro um adjustments in the body that would not make any sense on a theater stage um but that do speak and read a lot you know on a uh, in a different kind of situation. So, yes, like and usually the things that are hard to undo are things like um, the spatial relation to space, because it's very easy to kind of create a stage by, you know, putting yourself at the center of a situation or um, taking, you know, taking a certain kind of distance in relation to the visitor, which is almost like a theatrical distance or a theatrical distance in a relation to like another performer. Um, but then, you know, this difference of sort of real proximity or real distance, you know, on, on both extremes is something that um, it, interestingly usually takes quite a bit of time to, to train. Being really engaged with like the, the, the imagination, I think that that's something that I'm really interested in and looking for. So not necessarily, even if you have, I do find that it's, it's really interesting. I like to work with dancers because that's also where I come from. So we share a language um, and, but sometimes there's this kind of tendency to slip into kind of modes of kind of what I would call, sorry, generic kind of contemporary dance movement, something that's somehow activated and, and like these pathways, which are clearly established inside the body, um, with an, and kind of overriding a kind of real, uh, kind of imaginative exploratory, um, mode of like discovery inside of movement. Yeah. And I think something that I am, I am very interested in, like staying with the score means like really staying inside of this imaginative exploration and, and really getting away from what, what you think might look good or feel good because of these other habits that you've learned. Yeah. Um, of what is dance. Um, what are you working now on? Are you working on something that is coming up? Um, yes, actually, there's many, many simultaneous uh, projects uh, at the moment, and they're quite diverse, um, some from um, 
kind of workshop formats such as um, this erotic sociability for webcam, which is a, a kind of recreation of a workshop called Unambitious Stripper, um, which is done in, in real life. And um, erotic sociability for webcam is the, a kind of iteration um, that's really designed for um, working with the webcam and actually the material of your uh, device, your electronic device. Um, so this is uh, one of the things. Um, there's also larger scale uh, live projects which are in process. Um, mm -hmm. For example, a work that will happen in Venice in um, mid-September, early October, that is about kind of around the themes of ocean. So it's for Ocean Space, the research center in Venice um, that is all about sort of research and um, culture related to ocean and um, kind of exploring this as a theme through um, collecting histories and stories, myths and legends um, that are specific to Venice and actually casting uh, locally uh, Venetian mm -hmm. performers uh, to over the course of a couple of weekends almost do these these open workshops which build up towards a live performance. Uh, at the end, but, but it's all live. The whole process will be kind of using public space and using um, um, part of a, a church as well, a chapel, which is also open to the public. So this is one um, project that's in development um, and, and several others of different, different scales. Some of some are, but that would be like some of the newer stuff that I'm working on at the moment. Great. And concerning this, I feel like asking you this question. Um, how easy or difficult has it been to be a woman of color in the art industry? Um, I try to, you know, part of it, part of like my response here is going to be, of course, my, my, the American part of me, which is yeah. half of my father is American and this kind of cultural um, habit of like optimism, which is like really annoying, honestly, and can, it <laughs> should be, criticized but it's true that I, I am in many ways like a eternally optimistic I've, in the sense that um, I just I try to focus on my shit and do and be interested and engaged in what I'm doing and insist mm -hmm. and insist and insist and of course I think my Taurian uh, star sign helps me there to kind of uh, not I'm not an easily discouraged person because certainly certainly one could be you know the, those challenges are there like these these kind these form these inequities are real um and nonetheless i feel that in in my lifetime like for me specifically and i don't think this i would say this for i wouldn't prescribe this for anyone else but for me i've always felt that my role and maybe why why i'm drawn to do what i do feels like it's about um bridge making bridge building mm -hmm. like kind of forging connection. So try like, so it's my habit to look for, you know, where's the places where we connect rather than where are the places that divide us. But at the same time, how do we maintain and respect um, difference um, in yeah. this close proximity and in collaboration? Um, so I kind of, rather than thinking of, you know, the institution as like the big they with a capital T, I just try to scale that down to something which is very personal and, and real and say, okay, behind, you know, the, the door of whatever the 
the head, or the director's office is a human being and I can um, access that person and I can speak truth to that person and I can uh, do my best to also build, um, try to help to build kind of trust and pathways for others to make, to make that journey less of a, um, yeah, less of a weight and less of a difficulty. So certainly like the, the, the challenges are real and um, there's a lot of blindness. Sometimes it's, it's not, I, I've come to learn that it's, it's a lot of times, at least in the arts industry, you know, I can't speak to other places because this is where I work, but in the arts and cultural field, um, there's a lot of goodwill <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot of blind spots. And, you know, like it takes then a lot of patience and compassion to sometimes to kind of deal with those. Um, blind spots because it is a lot about education and uh, at the same time I'm I'm all there for people who say well I don't have to do that labor that's not up to me to do that's on you know the white people of the institution to figure that out and you know I hear that and um, and all the resistance and all the anger inside of that gesture I can fully relate to I would just say that on uh, my way of dealing with it is to try to really work on uh, insist on these kind of like structural level, which has to do for me a lot about um, communication and how do you establish like the the ground for communication that can lead to a different kind of result. And ultimately that's where, you know, all of my work inside of format and the experimentation with format has very much to do with this, this topic and this question. It's like, well, maybe if there's another ground from which we build our experience together, maybe we can create a different kind of sociality that is more um, equitable, that is more um, diverse, which is uh, more, which has more compassion and understanding in it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful describe. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Isabel, I would like to ask you a last question, which mm-hmm. I usually ask to my interviewees. Uh, do you have any wish for yourself for the future? Mm. Ooh, I have to pick one. I have so many, so many. I mean, wishes. you can say all of them as well. Right? It's also good to have more wishes. Yeah, no, no. I think um, you know. I feel I've, I, I, I'm. I feel very privileged in the way that I've been able to continue my work and to continue to experiment and to share and to encounter new situations and continue learning. Um, my wish would be to be able to continue that eternally, like this is kind of learning through experimentation and having that ability to. I think that um, there are also things that I have certain very private desires for also um, stability, you know, kind of stay, like having a kind of being able to sustain something. I think a lot of my work um, has led me to incredible places and incredible opportunities for experimentation. But I I have this, you know, I'm turning 40 this year. I have a different feeling as though I want to dig deeper and rather than than the the kind of fast pace of kind of a lot of experimentation everywhere. And so really kind of build the ground somewhere to go deeper even um, and to sort of bring together and reflect upon all these years of um, travel and research. So this is a, I have a kind of a wish that um, 
that you know my home my chosen home is berlin for the moment and actually i don't want that to be for the moment i'm sort of happy to be here and call this home at the same time that i could ha i still have another home in the dominican republic and kind of yeah. able on these two sites and these two places to to develop something that has um a different kind of temporality than let's say show yeah. or exhibition but something that is really like a longer term kind of um, way of of continuing my work that's beautiful really and i wish you very much a good luck for everything and uh, i would like also to thank you very much for giving us your time to um, tell us about yourself and uh, i hope i see you soon around um, um, yes, thank you very much, Isabel, for you, your time. It's been a pleasure. Happy to speak to you. It's lovely. <laughs>